from the National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. World Youth Day surpassed expectations last week with 1.5 million pilgrims joining Pope Francis for a vigil and then the closing Mass August 6th in Lisbon. Blogger and World Youth Day pilgrim Kevin McCartney and Father Sean Conroy join us now to talk about this experience. Then we turn to another summer blockbuster, Barbie, which made history as the first film solely directed by a woman to surpass $1 billion in global box office sales. Register writer Megan Schultz gives her take on the film. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host of Register Radio. Matthew Bunsen is my co-host, but he's still traveling the world. He's lost somewhere in Portugal today, I think. So I'm happy to talk more about World Youth Day. We've had the last three shows where some part of it was about World Youth Day, and I think that's partially because, I mean, when do you have one5 Five million Catholics in one place just joyfully engaging their faith. It was very Christocentric, and it's worth talking about. So it surpassed expectations, which hovered about under a million, really. And, and they, they swelled to 1.5 million people gathering for the culminating events, which was a vigil on Saturday night and then Sunday, a closing mass. Kevin McCartney was a pilgrim there in Lisbon. He and his wife, Melissa, have traveled to 27 countries together, and they blog about their travels at Million Mile Marriage, a blog they describe as a marriage blog with a travel motif. And they went to Lisbon with a group of pilgrims from their Colorado parish. That parish is Our Lady of Lords in the Archdiocese of Denver, and their associate pastor, Father Sean Conroy, helped lead that group. I've got both of them joining me now. Father Father Conroy and Kevin, thank you for joining me. Excited to be here. Yes, likewise. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So I, you know, first of all, just want to to talk to to you, Kevin, about this being very different from your other travels. I mentioned you and your wife, Melissa, have been to 27 countries together, um, which is, gosh, a ton of fun. I wish I could do that with my husband. Um, but, But tell me, how was this trip different from other trips you've taken? Yeah, just the, the general nature of it. And we actually, and we spoke with um, EWTN News in depth, uh, but we shared a little bit about our story and the origin of our travels rooted in um, some struggles with infertility. And initially, it really was a coping mechanism uh, just with, with everything that was going on with that. And so travel was very much about the two of us almost taking a, a retreat from reality in a sense and going and exploring and adventuring and um, it it evolved into a love for travel and then also there was this sense after a time of we we want more from it and and, and, in inability to give back um, to do more in service and instead of just travel for ourselves and uh, it was about this time last year when Father Sean actually shared that he was going to be leading the youth group to Portugal and over dinner and a glass of wine we said, oh, yeah, we'll come along with you. And and then just over the last year, as we prepared and everything, it was like, you know, realizing this is going to be really, really different instead of just the two of us flying over to some foreign country and having total freedom to explore on our own. We were with a group of 50, you know, 40, so 50 of us, but probably 40-some high school to college-age youth 
and we're responsible for them, and we're no longer just navigating a foreign country on our own, just the two of us, but making sure, like, our small group of 10 was getting through the Lisbon subway um, mm-hmm. safely and throw on top of that an extra million and a half people, um, you know, mobbing the city. It was it, it was wonderful. It was exciting. But also there was just a little bit of extra stress it's to a, have yeah. to keep other people alive. It's a challenge. I mean, in no pilgrimage, really. I mean, if you've ever gone on a pilgrimage with a group, uh, it, it, you're not your own master. I mean, you, you don't <laughs> no. make your own course. And that in and of itself um, brings along a struggle, uh, right? I mean, that pilgrimage of life is like that too. We, um, you, you know, it's not, we're not in, char- in charge as much as we like to believe we are. We're not in charge. And, and so the challenges um, and the patience required and the flexibility required is, is sometimes uh, <laughs> immensely challenging. So, Father Conroy, I want to turn to you. Uh, you know, you led this group. Um, you had uh, uh, um, Kevin and Melissa, who are travel experts there. <laughs> um, but, mm-hmm. but you led a group of, of young people from your parish. What do you think were the biggest takeaways, either for, for you or for the people of your group? What, what did they bring home? You know, for a lot of our pilgrims, it was actually their first time abroad, first time to Europe. And so I think that was a whole new adventure for them. Um, one of the great things about World Youth Day is you get to see the Pope, really, for, for the first time maybe in your life. And it's one thing to see the Pope on TV or to see him um, on the news or whatever, but to actually set your eyes. And we were, we were probably a quarter mile away from the stage mm-hmm. uh, where the altar and sanctuary was and everything. So... When you looked across the, the sea of people, and we had we were in Sector A, which is the closest to um, to where the Pope was, you just saw this white dot. We're just like, that's the Pope. We get to see him, uh, which was super, super amazing. I think one of the most powerful experiences for our whole group, and for me particularly, was on the night of the vigil. We get there, we settle in. There's some uh, programming at first, and then there's a holy hour with uh, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. And during that time. Uh, 1.5 million people were completely silent. Uh, Everyone was kneeling, and you could just feel the silence across the crowd. And um, certainly they played some music and gave some reflections during the holy hour as well. But the 10, 15 minutes of silence were so amazing. You know, how else could you keep 1.5 million youth, teens, and young adults quiet, right? And you don't hear about that. Typically when you get 1.5 1.5 million people together. There's a lot of rioting, a lot of crazy stuff, but to see everyone praying together from around the whole world was so powerful to me. Absolutely. And Kevin, you know, you blogged at ncregister.com. Uh, it's, uh, that blog was titled World Youth Day 2023 Chronicles, The Joy and Heart of Pilgrimage. And in it, you reflect, you know, you give four points of reflection, but one of them that caught my eye was just how contagious joy can be. Father talked about silence, of course, which is not unexpected if that many people. Joy is, in some respect, and, and yet, you know, teenage years or, or sometimes even college years, uh, young adult years when you're starting your first jobs, all of that can be kind of daunting, depressing even, lonely. Do you think people will be able to bring this joy that you found contagious home with them? I think absolutely, yes. It's neat. It's interesting that you said that because that was like a common theme with a lot of our youth. We had a large number of recently graduated high school students going into their freshman year of college. That sense of 
anxiety, leaving the home, moving to a new place, you know, perhaps one of the most radical changes they'll ever experience in their lives. But that coupled with the joy of, of coming together with, you know, their, their, their fellow parishioners and friends, fellow pilgrims in this group, but, but just knowing that, you know, the, the, the you know, in the world at large, you're not alone. And this unity in the Eucharist and this joy that can be found in Jesus was so intense. And, you know, we got back and already, like, we, we, my wife has gotten together earlier today with one of the youth, and she's going off to Benedictine College, and they met um, this morning. Uh, we're going over to another uh, youth place tonight for dinner, and she's going to college on Saturday. Um, so we're already seeing some of this percolate just yeah, within our own group. And it, it's exciting to see and just that, that joy and excitement taking over the, that sense of anxiety and concern. Uh, absolutely. So 30 years ago, World Youth Day was there in Denver, um, where you both live. Uh, did either mm-hmm. of you attend? I did not, no. I wasn't no, there I, either, even though I had some, t- some experience in Denver. But it impacted that city so much. Um, World oh, Youth yeah. Day had a tremendous impact on, uh, impact on youth ministry, especially in the city. The movements of, of different um, religious communities and whatnot, the archdiocese was just invigorated by that. I, I witnessed that many years later as I worked for the Archdiocese of Denver many years ago. Uh, but, Father, I wanted to ask you... Um, you, you mentioned the Pope, and that many had first, that was the first time they'd seen the Pope. I, I would imagine that many young people aren't even uh, really concerned about the Pope's messages in general. I mean, he's, he gives an audience every, um, every week. He gives, uh, you know, an Angelus every Sunday. He's constantly speaking to the world, but, but there he was speaking to these young people. What messages do you think, the papal messages, what, what resonated? I'm sure most popes say this, and right to me it was typically a JP2 thing, but Pope Francis said it multiple times during his addresses, especially his homily on Sunday, of do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to live the Christian faith. Do not be afraid to live, to evangelize the world. And the, the theme of World Youth Day this year was from the visitation, and uh, Mary arose and went in hate. And so the whole idea was arise, go. And uh, it kind of... Uh, uh, ruffled my feathers a little bit, because when I hear the word arise, arise up, it's like this call to revolution. And of course, that's not what the Pope was meaning at all. It wasn't like, go make a revolution. No, it's arise and go share your faith. Go, do not be afraid. And um, I really hope our, our youth around the world, but especially in our group here from Lourdes, really felt that call to, to not be afraid, to go arise and, and live their faith in their schools, live their faith in the workplace. Uh, it's a hostile world, but with courage, with faith, God gives us the grace to live the faith in this world. Wonderful. Kevin, I'll give you kind of the closing comments here. Uh, You know, there was some criticism in some places that this was kind of like a Catholic Woodstock, you know, just a a massive gathering where sometimes uh, naughty stuff happens and kind of, uh, you know, countercultural, revolutionary type uh, conversations or maybe groups form or whatnot. Um, but, But really... I think it defied those expectations. Um, was there the danger of this just becoming a big social phenomenon, not anything more? Yeah, of course there's always that danger. And I, I know I even felt it myself at times, in, especially the, the early days, like when the Pope first arrived in Portugal and there was kind of a welcoming um, 
crowd that gathered in uh, in one of the parks, and there was a sense of like uh, like a, a bit of frenzy in the crowd almost, and it never really percolated to much. But I remember feeling that anxiety of like, oh my gosh, like what you know, what's going to happen? Are people going to stampede to go be near him? You know, and I, even just thinking in light of like you know th- this Taylor Swift phenomenon that's been sweeping the country this summer and just the frenzy of young people. The celebrity of the Pope is so different, and I think Father Sean really captured it when he talked about Saturday night. I think it it really captured the essence of the heart of these young people during that holy hour, the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, and there was silence. Mm-hmm. And 1.5 million people, it was like a, a rush of wind that passed through the crowd, and you could hear the chatter, and, and then it, it just dissipated, like, just... It, it almost like made my eyes water. It was like, oh my gosh. And you could hear the footsteps of people a hundred feet away walking down the path. It was just dead silent. And 1.5 million young people transfixed on Jesus Christ present in the Eucharist. That's not what happened at Woodstock. Not at all. <laughs> and and let that be what we take home, right? That Let that be the image that, that remains, hopefully, in the hearts of each of these young people, uh, in your hearts um, as leaders on this trip that, that continue um, to reach out to the youth of, of your area, of your parish. Uh, I think that's the takeaway, that Jesus is present and he can inspire that awe. Uh, he can inspire that silence of, of one's heart um, and, and true faith. So thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience with us. Uh, our listeners can still go to EWTN's uh, World Youth Day uh, webpage. It's www.worldyouthdaycentral.com. There you can find the video, um, the YouTube video of uh, Kevin and his wife uh, on In-Depth, EWTN News In-Depth. So please go watch that, but also go to ncregister.com. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. When we come back, we'll talk to Megan Schultz about Barbie. Is there any redeeming message there? This is Register Radio on EWTN. Stay tuned for more. If you need your news on the go, read the register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try the register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host here on Register Radio. The Barbie movie has taken theaters by storm. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's the fun the film promised. Maybe everyone just needs a laugh after Oppenheimer and and Sound of Freedom, but whatever the reason, it has made box office history by being the first film solely produced by a woman. 
and it has topped 1.5 million in sales. So this film was produced by Greta Gerwig, who is known for her thoughtful movies, such as Lady Bird and Little Women, all indie films, and this is her first kind of big studio film. Uh, her next one's actually a C.S. Lewis um, film, uh, adaption of The Chronicles of Narnia. So she's done deeper content. Um, but anyway, Barbie has gotten some very mixed reviews, uh, but, and I'll get into some of those in a few minutes, but our, our current guest, Megan Schultz, who's a former registered news intern and a, a recent uh, Hillsdale College graduate, um, reviewed the film for the register. She actually, it was more like a, a commentary about um, why she liked it. Uh, so Megan joins us now. Hi, Megan. Hi, Jeanette. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad you could be here. And I mentioned that, you know, a lot of people um, in the Catholic world anyway, uh, Catholic viewers and commentators have, have criticized the film. Um, one writer at the Register, Barbara Nicolosi, who's a, a, a film critic, um, wrote that Barbie scrambles about waxing fretfully over mishmash of social problems resulting in one long, confusing cinematic sermon. And of course, she summarizes that sermon as a celebration of sisterhood, a takedown of, of uh, corporate-driven materialism, a condemnation of patriarchy, and a call for female empowerment. It kind of goes on and on, you know, for caricatures of men and all of this and that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's gotten that kind of criticism from, from a lot of people in the Catholic world, but your take was... Um, a, a fresh take, um, and that's kind of why I wanted to to hear hear what you thought. So, first of all, can you summarize the movie um, first? The plot. What what is this about? Yeah. So the movie begins with Barbie in Barbie Land, this world set apart from reality, um, and she has her perfect day every day before she starts malfunctioning. Um, pieces of her of her life aren't working. She's thinking about death. Um, and so she travels to the real world with Ken to discover what's going on. Um, and she ends up finding the the mother and daughter who are playing with her doll, at least when the daughter was a child. And Ken discovers patriarchy. And they both end up coming back to Barbie land. And Ken tries to implement patriarchy. And um, Barbie and the other Barbies um, work to fight against that. But then also more largely Barbie is on this journey of figuring out who she is in the face of her perfection falling apart. Um, so I would Absolutely. say that's, that's what the movie's about. And I, you know, I kind of marvel at why so many people are seeing this. I, I kind of did that in the intro. I see in this movie, um, a parody, right? A parody of the patriarchy, a parody of women rule, um, because neither of those look very good in this in this movie. Um, right, yeah. What what was your take? Yeah. So when I saw it, I was really interested in what kind of message it would be betraying to young women specifically, because obviously it's targe targeting an audience of girls who grew up playing with Barbies. And I was really impressed with the emotional thread that Gerwig wove through the story um, that basically, in my view, followed this crisis of confidence that Barbie has, that I think is so classic for, for everyone, all human beings, obviously. But I was thinking in terms of young women in particular of discovering that oh my gosh, I might not know who I am as well as I thought I did in childhood, having that crisis of confidence and then having to come back out of that. Um, 
And one of the most beautiful things and most Catholic things I found was that she wasn't able to do that without the help of her creator, which is, of course, in the movie, the creator of Barbie. Um, but I thought it made for quite a nice parallel. Mm-hmm. So your uh, excuse me, your article was titled, A Catholic Young Woman's Take, The Heart of Barbie is Humanity. And this can be found at ncregister.com. It, it is a stark contrast to other Catholic commentators who, who really didn't like it. Um, and, and they felt like it just, um, you know, let's say Barbara Nicolosi, who I spoke about earlier, she wrote for the register, postmodern Barbie, grown-ups playing badly with kids' toys. And she basically says, um, y- y- you know, it's a muddled kind of conversation. There's no solution offered. And, and she kind of says, how could people today even offer a solution because we're living in such a muddled time related to femininity and masculinity. You don't seem bothered at all by the critics. So, so how do you respond to them? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously part of the beauty of, of art, even in movies and film is that everyone can watch the same thing and come away with a different take. So I don't think there's any take on this movie that isn't valid or comprehensible in in how that person saw the film but I definitely think something that we all seem to be having a hard time doing is separating the something being in a film equaling the endorsement of that thing so obviously one one complaint a lot of people have is the portrayal of Ken as some kind of representation of men in the movie but like you said it's a very it's a satirical film it's meant to make fun of ultra feminist world is meant to make fun of the patriarchy. It's meant to make fun of certain versions of ourselves. And so Ken being the foolish, you know, caricature that he is, I don't take that as saying, Oh, this is how all men are, but rather as this is the, this is something that we're looking at. This is what we're examining. And it does, it's not an endorsement of it necessarily. Something being in a movie doesn't equal the endorsement of that thing. So there's a lot of movies about war, but not all, not all war movies are endorsing war. Um, right. It's kind of an extreme example, but and I so would that's say, something I took into it. Yeah. And I could definitely see the parody on men, you know, just this either a Homer Simpson style man or, or one who um, is just con- completely consumed with his body, his image or whatever, you know, was, mm-hmm. was here in this. Um, but unfortunately it didn't really present, um, a good image of a man. And, and that would have been a nice touch to be honest, but, but let's, let's, you know, acknowledge this was a, a movie about women. Um, and I think it did portray some good images of, of women. Um, and, uh, and, and so what were those? Yeah, I think one of my, my favorite portrayals of women in the movie was the relationship between the mother and daughter. Um, I actually thought the film had such a beautiful emphasis on the role of mothers um, and of women as artists, as creators, specifically in that role of motherhood between this mother and daughter. Um, So seeing their relationship being the only one in the movie originally rooted in reality all the way through to the end, it has conflict, it has dissonance, and then it has the coming together at the end, um, the coming back together of mother and daughter, um, which is so real compared to the artificia- um, how artificial Barbie land was. Um, so that was one I really enjoyed. Right. And I would emphasize too, you know, this movie does have motherhood in it. And I think anyone who looks at it and says that it doesn't, I, I, I cannot agree with that. You know, it, I have my critiques of this movie. Um, I saw it. I was more, I was surprised that I liked it more as, as much as I did. 
Um, it has the the nod to the LGBT plus movement. I mean, and there's no critique of that. It's just a nod to it. And that's an unfortunate thing about this moment um, is that you can't critique that. But I saw some great portrayals of motherhood. I also really lament that the in the end, Barbie goes, you know, she does need to discover herself. And she tells Ken, please discover yourself too. You're not only in relation to me, right? You are, you are your own person. And that is a good message. However, nowhere in this film is there an understanding of the complementarity of sexes. You know, the fact that sometimes men and women actually help each other uh, to discover who they really are. And oh my gosh, if, if that was in this, in this film it really could have brought home a message that is not getting heard today. Uh, what, what do you think about that, that idea of complementarity just being absent? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree that that's not, um, that it doesn't come up in the film. Um, I kind of saw that as rather being part of an emphasis that the movie takes as continually not addressing romantic love or relationship, romantic relationship between men and women. So I totally agree that it doesn't address that and that that would have been a really great opportunity. Um, but like I mentioned in my piece, I actually thought it was really beautiful how much it walks around the address of romantic relationship without ever dismissing it, without ever putting it down, um, but rather just focuses again and again on the self, which is something that happens so often for adolescents. And then in this case in particular, adolescent women of rather than discovering yourself through a relationship with a man as a teenager, you often discover yourself through your own experiences and then your relationships and your friendships with other women. Um, so I, I totally agree that, that it was missing that point, but I took it more as part of that mission of not addressing that on purpose than anything mm -hmm. else. And, and you recommended people to see it. And some people really got frustrated by that. And they said, never take your daughter to see this. But you say, take your daughter to see it. Why? It, we get so nervous sometimes that because a certain piece of media uses words that scare us or that we've associated with a particular group that we disagree with, that we give up on it entirely without seeing it or giving it its fair due. Um, and I have thought so highly of Greta Gerwig for so long. And I think she, she did what she does so well here, which is really showing what it's like to go from girlhood to womanhood um, and acknowledging the profoundly emotional experience that comes with growing up as a woman um, without surrendering to those emotions or saying that that's all that we are. Right. So I want to... I want to say Barbie is a PG-13 movie, and so, you know, Megan recommends you uh, take your daughter to see it, of course, if they're over 13, and I would recommend that you discuss this movie with your daughter uh, and, and recommend that you learn about that complementarity of the sexes together. A good book for that would be The End of Women, How Smashing the Patriarchy Has Destroyed Us by Carrie Grass. But as always, please go to ncregister.com. You can find content on this movie and a lot more news analysis and commentary at the National Catholic Register. Thanks for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. For our producer, Jeff Burson, and for myself, Jeanette DeMello, I pray that until next week, God bless you.